And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Everybody and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil Martin with you here as always as we talk about all things Islanders on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Again, if you want to join the show, ask a question, have a comment or a topic you'd like us to discuss, you could shoot us an email at it's the address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we will keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to uh, give us a five-star rating and uh, leave a review. It helps other fans find the podcast It helps us to grow the Locked On Islanders family, so uh, please feel free to do that on uh, the podcatcher of your choice, and don't forget to subscribe to the show so that it's in your inbox every day when you wake up in the morning. Our shows usually drop a little bit after midnight, so uh, today's show, for example, was available uh, last night at around 12.30 a.m., So uh, you can always listen to it as soon as it drops on your podcatcher of choice. All right, we are at the All-Star break. The Islanders don't have another game until February the 1st when they take on the Vancouver Canucks. That'll be a home game. So a lot of time. Want to go back a little bit and talk about yesterday's game uh, against or actually now it would be Tuesday's game against the Rangers. Some odds and ends that we need to discuss. Uh, Also, we'll have our farm report and a look back at this date in Islanders history. So lots to discuss on the show today. When we look at that victory over the Rangers at Madison Square Garden, and that was a game the Islanders desperately needed. First off, Thomas Grice really came through in this game. He was by far the difference maker. And, you know, the good news is Grice makes 40 saves. Islanders get the win, a 9.52 save percentage for Grice. Uh, And that really, you know, was encouraging. But the problem is, it is very unlike this Islanders team to give up 42 shots in a game. And a lot of the turnovers and the sloppy play in your own zone, and the inability to clear the puck and keep things simple in their own zone, that came back to haunt this team again and again against the Rangers, and Grice, more or less, 
was able to constantly bail them out. And, you know, that's not a way to win a large percentage of your games. So what does Barry Trotz do? He's obviously, you know, happy about the fact that his team wins the game 4-2, held a 4-0 lead, and then they start taking some dumb penalties in the third period, and basically the Rangers manage to score twice on the power play in a little less than two minutes, and with 4.28 left in regulation, suddenly it's a 4-2 game, and what looked like, uh, you know, something that the Islanders had in the bag, all of a sudden you start to get worried. Why? Because, you know, we've seen this happen too many times against the Capitals, against the Predators, where the Islanders looked okay, and then the bottom falls out in the third period, and the Islanders lose the hockey game. Well, thankfully, they held on, did not lose on Tuesday night at the Garden, but here's what Barry Trotz did, and I think this was really, really a smart move. In the third period, with his team up 3-0 to start the period, then Brock Nelson scored three minutes, 13 seconds in to make it 4 nothing. so you got a little bit of a cushion. And Barry Trotz benches Matthew Barzal for the third period. Barely saw the ice at all. Finished the game with only 15.01 of ice time. Which is seventh among Islander forwards. Seventh. You know, Barzal's usually the first line center. He's going to get north of 20 minutes in most games uh, in the way of ice time. And they sat him. For the third period, despite the fact that he had two assists in this game. And after the game was over, you know, obviously reporters asking Barry Trotz, why did you bench Barzal? Is he okay? Is there anything wrong with him physically, etc., etc.? And Trotz with the perfect answer. Matthew knows why he was sat down. And we're going to keep it in-house. And I'll tell you why this is a perfect answer. First of all, as a coach, you don't want to air your dirty laundry in the media. You want to handle things in-house as much as you can. You know, there are times when you do need to uh, make things a little bit more public. But in this instance, Barzal still a young player. They need him. They need his production. But... You're up for nothing. You send a message. He sits. He knows why. Look, he's leading. Barzal is leading the league in giveaways. And what this does for the Islanders is Barzal's leading the team in points. And if you're another player on this team, you say, hey, if the coach is going to bench our leading scorer and our first line center, because he's not doing things right in his own zone, or he's not being smart with the puck, I got to watch my game too. Because it is easy for Barry Trotz to bench me, not just, you know, if he could bench Matthew Barzal, he could bench anybody. So what this does is essentially serve as a wake-up call for the entire team. And he does it without airing any of the dirty laundry in public. He does it without 
you know, saying anything that the fans and the media are all of a sudden going to grab a hold of, essentially, uh, essentially, the message is sent, the players all know why, if you think that they don't understand why Barzal was benched, believe me, they could have asked him, and I'm sure that a message was given by the coach to the players about why the benching took place. They come out with the 4-2 win, they bench Barzal, the message is sent, and now, post-All-Star break, all the players know, I have to be smart with the puck, I have to play heads up in my own zone, or else I might sit too. And that is a perfect message to send to an Islanders team that has struggled with giveaways, struggled to clear the puck out of their own zone, and just struggled to be smart with the puck over the last 10 to 15 games. So this is why Barry Trotz has been a consistent winner. This is why he's won Stanley Cups, because he knows how to motivate his team and get a message across in the most constructive way possible. All right, we still have a lot more to get to on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We've got the weekly farm report. We've got this date in Islanders history and more. Stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we are back here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And last night, or Tuesday night, Brock Nelson scored his 20th goal of the season. He is on pace to beat his career high. His career high, 26 goals Back in 2015-2016, he also had uh, 40 points that year. His career high in points was last season when he managed 53. He is on pace to beat that number as well. 20 goals, 38 points in 49 games for Nelson. That is the fifth time in the last six seasons that he has hit the 20-goal mark. And the one season he didn't hit it, 2017-2018, He scored 19 goals. So Brock Nelson, a consistent 20 to 25 goal scorer, has a chance to get to 30 this year if he can finish at at least the same pace that he uh, has been playing at. So some reasons for optimism there. Uh, And and Nelson, again, you know, a model of consistency, not going to be a 35, 40 goal guy, but very, very consistent. And it's it's a reliable guy who they can count on. Other encouraging signs, uh, without question, uh, Josh Bailey having a nice game for the Islanders. A goal and two assists in 18 minutes, five seconds of ice time. And I think the encouraging thing is, you know, Bailey was one of those players that was really slumping when the Islanders were struggling to put pucks in the net. And by far, he was not alone in that respect. But the good news is that Bales is breaking out of that slump. And right now, in his last seven games, he has points in five of his last seven, and that's three goals and four assists in his last seven games, at least a point in five out of the seven. And, you know, that's the kind of production that the Islanders need from Josh Bailey. The big issue for the Islanders, though, remains putting together a productive third line. We still do not see that yet. And they've been trying all kinds of combinations throughout the season 
And whatever they've tried, it really doesn't seem to work. You've got that fourth line when everybody's healthy of Sezikis, Martin, and Clutterbuck. Now, obviously, Clutter not in the lineup as of now and, and still a bit of a ways away from returning. But you look at the potential third lines that the Islanders have tried to put together. And, you know, Leo Komarov, Michael Dalcole, Tom Cunackle, Ross Johnston, Oliver Wallstrom, Otto Koivula. These are all guys who have taken, you know, uh, Derek Brassard. These are guys who have had time on the third line, but they have not been able to put together any kind of consistent production. And, you know, Brassard is the only one among those players that I listed who has more than 10 points. Brassard has 24 points on the season, but the majority of his points came when they moved him from the third-line center to what was essentially a second-line wing and came on the power play as well as, as eight of his 24 points have come with the extra attacker. So, you know, the fourth line is set. The first two lines are mostly set. But they really need to figure out how to get some kind of consistent production from that third line. And, you know, I guess right now the Islanders just have too many similar players out there. Guys who can bang, guys who can check, guys who can skate, but not a lot of guys who are productive offensively. And it's hurting this team in their ability to match lines in their ability to force opponents to match lines and slow down their best guys. You know, when you can roll four lines or you have at least three consistent scoring lines, that gives you a lot of options. The Islanders don't have that right now. They are lacking it. They're still missing uh, Cal Clutterbuck. No question about that. His absence being definitively felt right now on the ice. But... The problem is just a lack of scoring in that bottom six. Uh, You know, again, when healthy, Martin, Clutterbuck, and Sezikis are productive and they set the tone, providing energy, providing physicality, providing forechecking, penalty killing, uh, all the things that, you know, help this team. But that third line hasn't really found a niche It hasn't found a role. It hasn't been productive offensively. And that is something that that needs to be addressed, whether it's bringing somebody up from Bridgeport, bringing somebody in via trade, or just reconfiguring the line combinations to get more production up and down the lineup. That is something that the Islanders need to figure out, need to find a way to do. And, you know, look, We're at the All-Star break. We are 49 games into the season at this point. You've got 32 games, uh, 30, excuse me, 33 games left on the schedule. And then it's the playoffs, assuming the Islanders make it, and they should in theory. Uh, You have 33 games left to figure this out, get the right combination, and get your team ready for the postseason, and, uh, you know, some decisions have to be made right now by this 
Islanders coaching staff and management team to figure out their best option going forward and to get that third line clicking in some way, shape, or form. It's got to have an identity, and it's got to be more productive than it's been. All right, when we come back, we'll have this date in Islanders history, plus the weekly farm report breaking down all things Bridgeport Sound Tigers. More to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to January 23rd, 1982, the site, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Rangers coming to town, and coming into this game, Bob Nystrom had been benched by Al Arbor, the Islanders Hall of Fame coach. He sat out the previous two games because he wasn't playing Bob Nystrom-style hockey. So what happens? They take him, put him back in the lineup against the Rangers, and Nystrom starts hitting anything in a blue sweater. And Nystrom set the tone for this game for the Islanders. He ended up assisting on the first goal. Tomas Janssen scores it at 421, his fifth from Nystrom and John Tonelli. But that's the only point Nystrom gets in this game. But he really set the tone with his physical play, his checking, his forechecking. At the end of the first period, it was 1-0 Islanders. In the second period, Brent Sutter is off for tripping. Islanders shorthanded, but Brian Trottier scores his 23rd goal of the year. It's a shorty. Mike McEwen, the former Ranger, now Islander defenseman, gets the only assist, and it was 2-0 in favor of the Islanders. But the Rangers did capitalize on this power play just 42 seconds after the Trottier shorty. Mark Pavlich gets his 18th on the power play from Ron Duguay and Ron Greshner, and the Rangers pulled to within 2-1, but the Islanders would not let that last. Just one minute, 21 seconds after the Pavlich goal, Brent Sutter, his third from Gillies and Dwayne Sutter at 5.59, and then... 52 seconds after that, Bossy, his 35th from Bob Bourne and Trottier at 6.51. And just like that, the Islanders had a 4-1 lead. Dwayne Sutter scores his 10th of the year with just 9 seconds left in the middle stanza. Brent Sutter and John Tonelli with the helpers. And the Islanders led 5-1 after two periods. Only one goal scored in the third. Gillies, his 20th from Brent Sutter at 7-16. And he beats Eddie Mio, the Ranger goalie in this game. Islanders win this one going away by a score of 6-1. Billy Smith, 21 saves to earn the win. A goal and an assist for Clark Gillies and Dwayne Sutter, as well as Trottier. Meanwhile, a goal and two assists to lead the way for Brent Sutter in the Islanders' victory. Mike McEwen, John Tonelli, and Brian Trottier, each with four shots on goal to pace the Islanders as they skate away with the win. Tomas Janssen, by the way, uh, Dennis Potvan, and Brent Sutter, all plus threes in this game as the Islanders beat the Rangers. Final score in this one. Rangers trail uh, losing to the Islanders six to one and uh, a big celebration there for the Islanders and especially for Bob Nystrom who basically got things right after struggling and being benched 
for two games. You know, it, it's funny because when you look back on the all-time greats, you forget that, yeah, they had bad games occasionally. They got benched occasionally. But it's not the fact that they occasionally slumped or got benched. It's how they responded to the benching. And you saw what Nystrom did in this game, uh, and it really made a difference. All right, farm report time as we take you across the Long Island Sound to Bridgeport. Couple of games last weekend, Friday in Providence. It was a home and home with the Providence Bruins. The Friday game on the road, and the Sound Tigers skate away with a two to one win in Providence. Jared Carew, 43 saves. Uh, that was a season high. The Sound Tigers were outshot 44 to 26, but they get the win. Otto Koivula and Oliver Wallstrom with the goals for Bridgeport and a big road victory right there. The Saturday game, not as fortunate. Providence with a 3-1 win. Mason Jobst with the only goal. That came in the second period. Travis St. Denis dropping the gloves with Jeremy Lawzone of Providence in the first period uh, of that contest. That was the only fight. Jakob Skarik made 32 saves in a losing cause on the 35 shots. So a mixed bag of a weekend for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers as they go 1-1 one and one in the home-and-home home with the Providence Bruins. This weekend, two road games for the Sound Tigers. Friday, 7-15 face-off in Hartford as they take on the Wolfpack. Uh, only fitting, I guess, that the Rangers and Islanders farm teams meeting this weekend after the big clubs met three times in a nine-day span. And then Saturday at 7.05, Bridgeport heads to Springfield to take on the Springfield Thunderbirds in what should be an interesting matchup. Right now, Kiefer Bellows leading the team with 15 goals and 22 points. He's followed by Sebastian Ajo with 21 points, 19 of those helpers. Matt Laredo, 20 points. Nick Schilke, uh, excuse me, 17 points. Otto Koivula and Travis St. Denis also with 17 points. And uh, only two players right now, over 10 goals for the Sound Tigers. That's Bellows, who has 15, and Andrew Ladd, who has 11 in 30 games. Uh, overall, not the easiest time for the Sound Tigers. They are struggling a little bit, and they have to be hoping to make things a little bit better uh, in the near future. Still in eighth place right now in the AHL's Atlantic Division. Sound Tigers 15-23-5. They are seven points behind the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, in who are now in seventh place. So 42 points for Lehigh Valley, 35 for Bridgeport. They need to get into gear if they hope to reach the playoffs. The discouraging thing in their last 10 games, the Sound Tigers just 2-7-1. and one. Hartford, who they face this weekend, is in first place uh, in their division. So, uh, you know... Not so good. Hartford in first place in the Atlantic Division. 
Uh, and that makes it tough when you're when you're going up against you know the top team in your in your division. Springfield in the middle of the pack, they're in fifth place with 48 points. All right, that's gonna do it for us today. I uh, hope everybody enjoys their evening, and we'll be back tomorrow to discuss all the latest news and sort of set the table as we head into All-Star Weekend and uh, where is this team at? What do they need to do? We will break down that. We'll have some injury updates. By the way, Sebastian Ajo sent back down to Bridgeport by the team uh, yesterday, and that only makes sense because the Sound Tigers are playing this weekend. The Islanders are not playing again till February 1st. Anyway, I am your host, Gil Martin. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.